Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I guess let's get started by talking a little bit about this quite ambitious goal of being a, a, you know, a top uh, 25 public mm-hmm. university. For our readers at home, when, when you think about it, what does that mean? Because there's so many different ways to measure, mm-hmm. especially a public university. There's so many different factors. Well, I think what it means to me is that we need to identify what are the most important elements of academic performance and to identify what those things are for a public university, things like graduation rate and retention rate, helping our students to get a really great education and to go off and flourish after graduation. So we're not picking the particular uh, set of attributes of any particular ranking. We're trying to decide what does it mean for us to be a great public research university, and we want to be at the top in those things. But, I mean, it's not there, there's a way to do that that it's kind of perverse where you pick these obscure things that you can be the best in. That's not, not the point. The point is what's really important and can we beat in the top 25 in those things. Okay, you mentioned also, to the creation of an honors college, mm-hmm. um, transitioning from an honors program to an honors college. How will that help attract some of those brighter students here in, in New Hampshire? Well, I think there's, there's students who want to make sure that they're going to be, who are really strong students, they want to make sure that they're going to be surrounded by other equally strong students. And Honors College is, is, is one way that you signal that to people, that they'll have an opportunity to study with other people who are just as you know, strong as they are. Now, I think all students are strong here, of course, but this is just one way of, of sort of signaling that in a really compelling way. We also mentioned the expansion of scholarship programs, not just to attract those best and brightest, but also to diversify right. uh, the crowd of students here at UNH. What are you thinking? There have been so many expansions as far as scholarship programs already in the last couple of years. Well, but the need is really great. Um, you know, college is expensive. You know, even public colleges are expensive, and you know, families have limited means, and so there's you know almost unlimited need for. For scholarship, that's an exaggeration, but you know what the point is. And so we want to try to find a way to make it possible for any person who could do the work here to be able to come here. And also we want to make sure that uh, all of our students are studying at the University of New Hampshire in the kind of environment that they're going to go out into, which is a diverse environment with many different kinds of people. It would, we would be doing them a disservice if they were in a particular kind of environment here and then they go out into the work world and they're with people that they've never seen before. So that's what we're trying to address. Okay. I was curious whether you saw this speech today as kind of your narrative behind your budget request to the, uh, to the governor and the, uh, and the, and the legislature. Um, no, not particularly, no. because in our system the budget request comes from the system. Um, from all of the universities and colleges put together. And that request more or less has already been made. Um, you know, if the governor happened to watch this and found it compelling, that would probably be great. <laughs> that really wasn't what I had in mind. He's been very supportive, by the way. Yeah. You know, we have in our budget requests both some capital requests and operational requests, uh, both one time that the governor has been very supportive of. So we're, we're feeling great about that right now. You had mentioned in your, in your speech... Um you know, visits to Concord, the relationship with um, um, with 
lawmakers, policymakers. I mean, what do you see as the relationship with Concord and the policymakers? Is it something that you're trying to make better, something you're trying to fix? Uh, was it broken? Did you need to fix it? How is the relationship between UNH and, and Concord? I think I would say there's probably opportunities to make it better. Um, and I've, I've spent a fair amount of time with a lot of help from our team here at UNH uh, going to visit the, the leaders in the legislature, both in the House and the Senate. And actually, because there were as an election, both the leaders before the election and the leaders after the election. So um, lots of people there, as well as the governor, who I've met with several times, and, and many of the commissioners uh, I've met with as well. So I think that the relationship is solid but could be much better. And, and I really meant what I said in the speech, which is that we should really be seen as a trusted partner by all of the important institutions in the state, the government, the schools, the businesses. And we've actually already made some progress in just a few months. But I think there's much more that we can do. Thank you. You asked, you know, the faculty and, and staff members who were sitting there, you know, to, to help you right. achieve this goal. What are some of the things that they can do? What's the call to action for them? Well, it, it was, uh, you know, there's a number of priorities and there's a call to action associated with each one of them. Um, I think that probably at the core of it would be the nature of the education that we're providing to our students, which I think is very solid. But the demand for, for what students are going to need to be able to do in the future continues to ratchet up. And so we need to continue to ratchet up our curriculum to make sure that we're preparing our students, as I said, not just for their first job, but, you know, our students graduated 22, people are working to 70, so 50-ish years. It's a really tough assignment to think about what they need to learn. And so the, the obvious part is, okay, they're going to go out and become accountants, so they have to learn how to do accounting. The harder part is maybe accounting will be completely automated in 20 years. So what, do they, what else do they know? Do they know how to change? Do they know how to make ethical decisions? Do they know how to lead? Do they understand technology changes? So, and, and the faculty in a university are the guardians of the curriculum under the mantra of shared governance. And so I can't change the curriculum. They can, and I need them to do that. And, you know, we've changed it before, and we'll continue to do that. And we've got some terrific faculty leaders, so I have every confidence that they'll do that. So that's at the center of it. But beyond that, also... I think they can go out. When I said the line about students going out to visit high schools, I saw half a dozen faculty nodding their heads, and I, some of them have already told me they'll go too. They'll go to the high schools. And, you know, it, it, it's one thing, you know, every, every person adds something different. So a student coming back saying, I had a great experience at UNH is one thing. A faculty member from classics or physics or business going in and saying, hey, I teach physics at UNH. What do you want to know? I mean, that's pretty cool. And our faculty will do that. I know that they will. So those are a couple of examples. So you cited um, the collaborative effort behind these uh, behind these initiatives you know, as, as president of UNH. Where where is James Dean in these uh, in these initiatives? You know, what is there anything in here that your particular passion, something that you really want to see get done? Which of my children do I like the best? <laughs> of course, I'm enthusiastic about all of it. I mean, if I had to say one, I really want to reset the relationship with New Hampshire. I really want that to be better. And I think that because of my role as president of the university, that I have a unique opportunity to begin to change that. And, and I, I think that I can and, and that I will. But, you know, they're, they're all important. 
Now, of course, you've only been here six months. When you say reset the relationship with New Hampshire, what do you think is lacking when it comes to that relationship and and uh, be, being looked at, like you mentioned, the, the gem right. um, for the, the rugged Granite State? Well, I mean, I'll mention um, the three major areas of our mission. So in this, from the standpoint of education, countless kids have come here from all over New Hampshire for generations um, from all backgrounds, country, city, wealthy, non-wealthy, and gone off to do great things, whether they've studied business and engineering or whether they've studied Greek or French or something. And, you know, they go off and they're vice president of banks and they start companies and so on. And I don't know that there's enough recognition for how UNH has transformed the lives of students for generations in New Hampshire and how we've added economic prosperity. You know, many people who graduated from UNH are running businesses, for example, and we haven't made that connection, and, and we need to. So that's on the educational part. Also on the research part, I mean, the research mission that we have here is tremendous, so most people wouldn't have much reason to know what R1 means or anything, but that means we're one of the top research universities in the country, and that's not having a medical school and being relatively small, and the number of universities that are R1 without a medical school at our size is very, very small, and I don't think people realize that we already are in some ways kind of a gem, but we need to tell our story better, and we're getting better at it, I think, all the time. And so also, so that's, I talked about research, I talked about education, and then also about service. I mean, the cooperative extension thing is amazing. I mean, 100,000 people a year, that's astonishing. And it's, you can't even get your arms around all the stuff that they do. I went to Mount Sunapee and signed uh, the agreements for cooperative extension with the 10 counties in New Hampshire. And just that day, the appreciation for the partnership was just palpable. It was amazing. And so... Different people know different things about what we do, but it's a little bit like that story of the guys and the elephant. Uh, you know, UNH is a tail or, you know, whatever. And I, I think that by going out into the community, and you can do so much with, with media, and I appreciate that. It's really important. But some of it also just needs to be one-on-one, going to PC people and telling the story. And that's one of the things that I really want us to do. And our, our alumni are incredibly compelling. You know, they'll tell, talk about what happened here and... You can't, and students as well. Having students tell your story is almost unfair because they're so good. I mean, like that young woman who's graduating in nursing. I mean, my God, she could have died. And, you know, she gets surgery and then comes back and gets her degree. I think she changed majors because she wanted to study nursing after being hospitalized. Right. I mean, don't you just want to root for those kids? Yeah. You do. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.